Thank you for tuning in to the Believer's Church of Johnson City podcast. We are grateful you stopped by. Regardless of where you are in your faith journey, we hope today's teaching is both challenging and also encourages you to move closer to Jesus. You can subscribe to the podcast if you want weekly messages, leave a review of your experience, and if you wish to become a giving partner, you can do so by visiting our website at believerschurchjc.com. And of course, we want to encourage you to come see us in person. We are located at 6110 Kingsport Highway in Johnson City, Tennessee. As always, we hope you enjoy today's message. I have, a, I have a strange question that I want to ask you guys this morning as we open up. We're kind of hitting the halfway stage in this series, but a strange question that I want to ask you, and primarily the people that I'm asking this question to are people who have been followers of, followers of Jesus for a long time, okay? Well, you know what? Maybe even for some of you that are newer, I know some of you are still kind of on the outside of this and you have questions. Is this really something that I can, I can do? Is this really something that I can, can commit myself to? Well, I like some of these teachings. I like some of these ethics, but I kind of still want to hold on to some of my personal viewpoints, uh, maybe from particular political positions, maybe from other religious viewpoints, maybe some stuff that you've kind of created yourself. But I, I, am, I am speaking when I ask this question to, to people that would consider themselves all in as followers of Jesus. Are there ever times when you feel that Jesus is asking too much of us? All right, and I'm going to explain that in just a minute, but I want you to think about it because I have asked that question. And I think as I get into our passage this morning, you're going to find that you have actually asked that question as well. Are there times when we think that Jesus is asking too much of us? Now, that may not cross the minds of some people, and they're ready, as the old expression goes, to charge hell with a water pistol. They'll do whatever it takes. But I will guarantee you, as we look at this passage this morning, a lot of those individuals have never even considered the depth and the breadth of the kind of teaching that Jesus is talking about that we are supposed to live through. Because I am telling you, I have really, really wrestled with this one. It, it's really, really tough. All right, so as we get into this, we, we think, are we going to get a break, or is this just going to continue to get harder and harder? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about anger and forgiveness, the importance of forgiving people under any circumstances whatsoever is not a suggestion, but actually a requirement for a follower of Jesus. Apparently, Jesus didn't think talking about it in that one instance was enough because he makes the decision to cover it again. Last week, we talked about lust and divorce. If you want to go back and look about what Jesus has to say, you can, you can check out the podcast on that. Thank you to those of you who reached out and opened confession to me about some of the things uh, that are going on in your life or how you want to give more in your marriage or how you've never considered it this way or that way. I greatly appreciate that. It, it, it helps affirm uh, that I know I, I'm, I'm speaking about the things God is calling me to speak about. So some of you in here, like myself, you're very passive aggressive. And, and by passive aggressive, you'll kind of sit on things and then you just blow up. Uh, it might mean that I blow up on someone here. It might mean that I more frequently blow up on someone in my family. Uh, it might mean that I blow up on a friend. Sometimes it's someone on the phone when they call over and over trying to sell me things. But some of you are more passive aggressive. You try to let things go and then you explode. Some of you have a growing bitterness within. It just continues to grow. You may not recognize it, but other people see it because you're hateful just all the time. But some of you have this great bitterness that is growing within. 
Others of you who are more confrontational and you want to face it right in the moment and you want to chew that person out that's a friend or that person that's a coworker, that person at the restaurant, you honestly believe you're accomplishing something in that moment. Sometimes you even feel a little bit proud of yourself when you've made a scene. Uh, this is the bottom line. We believe almost everyone in here, and I hate to admit this, but I really think it's true, and I think this is how far, far apart we are from where Jesus is. We believe that hatred is justified, okay? This may be hatred for an ex-husband. Uh, this may be hatred for a friend that betrayed us. This may be hatred for a, a, a foreign leader in another country that that, that is, uh, you know, done something directly toward the United States. We believe in some way that hatred is justified. We feel that because other people are bad people, by our definition of what a bad person is, that we are justified in our anger. So as we open up today's discussion, this is, this is one that a lot of people who identify as Christians or followers of Jesus refuse to acknowledge. Okay, they just refuse to acknowledge. A lot of this other stuff, they'll say, well, yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I can't necessarily do that, but I, but I agree with you. Okay, but this, is, this one's a little bit harder. So, so today we're going to talk about retaliation and enemy love. So it is kind of close to anger and forgiveness where we were a couple of weeks ago, but re, uh, retaliation or what the Old Testament calls an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth and what enemy love really is. And this is the typical Christian response, and this is what most of you would say. I know that I should love my enemies. I know that I should not seek to get even. You know, I know that that's something that, that, I, that I'm supposed to follow, but I just can't do it. In a nutshell, Jesus is asking too much. He's just asking too much of me. So what I'm going to read to you today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 38 through 48. If you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. If you want to use your phone, that's fine. If you want to follow up here uh, in your Bibles, here pages turning, uh, you can do that. Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 48. This is going to be very difficult. And what a lot of you would like to be able to do is to just completely X this out of your Bible and pretend that it doesn't exist. And if you're not the person that wants to pretend that it doesn't exist, you are going to be the person, more cases than not, that says Jesus is just simply asking too much. All right? So this is where we're going to go today. We're going to start in verse 38 of chapter 5 in Matthew. You have heard it said, okay, and he is, let, let me say this also. I have skipped over just because I'm trying to get through this series in 10 weeks. You might want to go back and look at this. Oaths and solemn pledges which is another important part of the Sermon on the Mount. The last thing that we talked about was lust and then divorce. We skipped over uh, oaths and pledges, so you might want to look back at that. So we're down in verse 38. You have heard it said that an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Okay, this is the Torah, uh, specifically three books of the Torah. It's all over the Torah. You get even. That's what it says. But remember, Jesus didn't come to abolish, but to fulfill. But I say to you, not an eye for an eye, and not a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you that you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. For those in the back, you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. If people slap you on your right cheek, 
Slap him back. Is that what it says? No. Run him over with your truck. Bash him on Facebook. Turn the left cheek to them as well. When they wish to haul you off to court and take your shirt, this is ancient practices, let them have your coat too. When they force you to go one mile, also ancient practice, go with them too. Give to those who ask and don't refuse those who wish to borrow from you. You have heard it said before, Leviticus 19, 18, the Torah is where Jesus says this, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. All right, love your neighbor. All right, make sure that you're taking care of the person, uh, you know, maybe that lives next door to you, your, your family member, the person that you love so much that goes to church with you, your coworker that you love so much. Love your neighbor. Okay, we know that. Leviticus 19, 18 in the Torah and hate your enemy. But I say to you, here we go. Love your enemies and pray for those who harass you? She just made me feel like an idiot. I can never forgive that person. That person has really hurt my child. That person has done this or done that, and I am supposed to pray for them on a regular basis. Jesus, what's going on with you? This makes no sense whatsoever. And I would love if we could do this anonymously so that, of course, your identity, uh, you could have complete anonymity so that your identity was not known, but that if I could just have you on a cur- uh, the other side of a curtain with one of those cool voice things that I see all the time in movies, and you could just respond how you react in this situation and see how many of us are really able to follow through on what Jesus is teaching us so that you will be be acting as children of your father who is in heaven. He's saying there's an example. He makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good and sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those that love you, what reward do you have? That's not hard to do. It's not hard for me to love Cody. It's not hard for me to love my wife and my kids. It's not hard for me to love the majority of the people that I work with at the college, that's not hard. Trying to find my place. So don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, so also, you must be complete. We have two very hard pills to swallow today that, please hear me, are not optional. They are not optional. And here they are. Return evil with good, okay? The hurt that you've experienced, the things that people have done to you, the pain that you've suffered from, and the anger, the tears, the emotional nights that you've had. When you say to yourself, I could never let her off the hook. I could never forgive him. And I am justified in going to sleep at night and hating every person from that church. 
that I used to go to because of the way they treated my family. The radical way of Jesus and the movement in the right direction. And I have found it personally as a person that doesn't struggle so much with forgiveness, but does struggle with this. And I'm working through this right now, just to be completely honest with you in my personal life with more than one person. How is it that I take someone that I do not feel is contributing, that I'm having a, a, a difficult relationship with because we, we disagreed about X, Y, and Z through work. I'm going through this thing. And how do I continue to metaphorically model foot washing in their lives? You see, Jesus is teaching this to the disciples. These are the basics, okay? These are the basics that he's teaching them. And he's teaching them very early. So return evil with good. All right, because what is it that we say? I'll show him. She's not going to get the best of me. Nobody's going to make me look stupid. That's not going to happen. Return evil with good, and you break the cycle. But then number two, love your enemies. Return evil with good and love your enemies. Otherwise, as it pertains to your efforts to tell people about Jesus, to act like you know something about the Bible, to tell other people they should go to church, shut your mouth. Because you're destroying everything that some of us that are serious about this are trying to accomplish. If you are not taking the very basics, the hard stuff, anybody can show up for a church service. Anybody can commit to a 10 to 15 minute devotional a day. But whenever you walk through the tricky stuff, whenever you walk through the muddiness of real relationships with people, that's where the transformation comes in. And the truth is that the majority of people are just scared to death to take these teachings seriously. And you know what they say? Jesus is asking just a little bit too much. So a couple things that we need to learn today that are going to be very important is that Jesus is referring, just like with lust, and just like what we're going to talk about with money, a posture of heart that begins on the inside. A posture of heart that begins on the inside that, listen, it doesn't do you any good to bag all your clothes up for goodwill or to hold some of these events that we're holding that, I, that I'm absolutely crazy about that we're doing for the church, to try to do all of these special justice functions. If there is not a posture in the heart that not only turns you toward those that are easy to love, but also turns you toward those that are incredibly difficult to love. Sometimes these are people very close to you. Sometimes these are your, your kids or your parents. Sometimes this is a spouse. Sometimes this is one of your best friends that has betrayed you. 
Sometimes this is an ex, and it could be an ex from, from 30 or 40 years ago. How do you walk through love in these situations? So we have to be careful about literally uh, taking all of these literally. And I'll explain this here in just a minute. Jesus is not saying, hand someone your car keys so that all of a sudden you don't have a ride. Jesus is not saying, give someone your clothes so that you're literally walking around naked. Okay, these are not the things that Jesus is saying. But what Jesus is saying is that when a, the posture of the heart changes and you see needs that you can meet and you're able to identify with situations and move yourself into those difficult situations, you will have a desire to take action as a result of a change in the posture of your heart. So how does this work? How does this begin? What does this look like? And I'm just being completely honest because these are some things that I am wrestling with as of today. But I promise you there's a difference between I'm going to wrestle with this and I'm going to walk through this and screw them. I'm done with them. They've done this. They've done that. They're not forgivable as if you're the judge and you hold all things. You're that much better. You figured it out. You've arrived. And you want to know something? As you become bitter and as you hurt, they're usually not even aware of it. They usually don't even know what's going on. So it starts with this, but the same way that forgiveness does what we talked about, it's a process. It's a direction in which we are willing to say, this is really tricky. This is really hard. I recognize that pride and bitterness are keeping all of these things in front of me. But I'm going to do what Jesus commands me to do. This sermon here, most, most popular, known, famous sermon in history, is what we tend to ignore but then we tend to go to the places where we can point out the sins of everyone else. And as I say very often here, we wonder why people look at us and scratch their head with such disbelief that we even still take the time to meet on Sundays. I promise that, it's on, that on its own, this valuable, literal action that comes out of this will always be in the right place when you start to work on the posture of your heart. So here's how it said in verse 39, and then we'll go down to verse 44. This is how it said, do not oppose those who want to hurt you. Easy stuff, right? This is a theology of peacemaking because to the best of our ability, as Paul will later say, we're to be at peace with everyone. Well, I am at peace with everyone except for my ex-girlfriend. Well, I am at peace with everyone except for my former boss. Well, I am at peace with everyone except for my child that took all my money, won't quit using drugs. No, be at peace with everyone. It's what it means to follow Jesus. So do not oppose those who want to hurt you. It's just irrational, it seems. What does verse 44 say? Pray for those who harass you those who have made your life more difficult. In this context, Jesus is talking about all of the persecution that the disciples are going to face. 
the criticism that they're going to receive for leaving their, their old world behind and making the decision to follow Jesus. Guys, please hear me whenever I say this. This is the real stuff. Let's cut through all the religious tape and what we're trying to do at this church. Let's stop talking about all the things that don't matter. And let's get down to the things that are going to make, bring a movement of the Holy Spirit. And in order to do that, we can never make the statement, Jesus is asking too much. He's just simply asking uh, too much. Please understand that enemy love and retaliation must be understood on a micro level, like your life as an individual, but also on a macro level. As an individual, you must be prepared to love your enemies and avoid an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Had a good conversation. It was a really, a really long conversation with, with one of my neighbors, and I'm considering that more and more important, but, but Cora, my middle daughter, we have this walk that we do almost every night. It's, it's a couple blocks where we take our dog on a walk. And it's one of those things that I just, it's one of my favorite things in the world. She goes, grabs the dog's leash. We take a walk. And what we started to do on our walk is we identify something about every house or every person that we see or every pet. Like we'll say, I wonder where the cat is. I wonder, we've even given some of them names and things like that. But a neighbor that I don't see very often, this is actually the first time that I ever saw this neighbor. He comes out, he's working outside. He comes out and talks to us, introduces himself. Very, very friendly guy, okay? But he'd had something very unfortunate happen just a few nights before that. Someone that was just loaded on meth uh, drove through into his house and completely destroyed uh, the foundation. He's going through the process with the insurance now, which is very difficult to get taken care of. And you can imagine how angry you can be. You can imagine how frustrated you would be. And me knowing some of you the way that I do, I know some of the things that you would be saying. And this man, what he says to me, because his tone changed, and he said, I'm going to find him. He said, because I'm going to tell you, I'm an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth kind of guy. But one of the first things that he, and I was wearing maybe a Believer's Church shirt or something like that, but one of the first things he said whenever he came up to me, no, no, I, I told him I was a pastor. He said, God is good. And, and, and the genuineness on his face was, was there. And I'll say again, this guy was a great guy. But there's this common, this common thinking that we have within the church. It's destroying the church. It's been destroying the church for centuries. Because right after that, and listen, I don't want anybody on meth crashing through my house. Let me be very clear about that. And I'm not sure I would have a joyous attitude about the people who did it. But I saw the look on his face. I'm an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth kind of guy. You know what that means? And again, three areas of the Torah. So it's all over the Old Testament. It says, I'm going to get even. I'm going to let this person know, this criminal, this former friend, this ex, I'll show them I mean business. I'm going to make very clear that they understand where I'm coming from. That's a little bit childish, but whatever. All right, that's the way that the majority of people are. So you see the, you see the balance right there where you have somebody that biggest grit on his face and very genuine, great guy. God is good. 
but his face changed whenever someone came onto his person. Americans take personal property very serious, in case you didn't know. Especially, a, a, you know, somebody on meth at three o'clock in the morning driving through your, your house. Okay? Uh, but this is also to be understood as, and, and lived out as a body. So the micro means that in our own individual lives, we're to do this, but as a body of followers of Jesus together, we are supposed to live out this ethic, returning to the Beatitudes where we were early. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the children of God. I've seen people with like peace signs on their cars just cuss people up one side and down the other. I'm just like, I thought you're about peace. So a little controversy for you today is if this hasn't been enough, Christians must love and pray for what would be labeled the foreign enemy just as much as the local enemy, your ex-husband, your ex-wife, your ex-friend, your ex-whatever. We're supposed to love people globally. We are supposed to love threats the exact same way. That's what enemy love looks like. And also, I know you want to be the judge. I know you want to give the lethal injection. I know that some people want to, want to pull the handle down on the electric chair. I know there are some people that would like to do the public hangings. But this scripture is also clear that you have no right whatsoever to be the judge. You don't know why? You may not see it the same way, but you've got this cloud called sin hanging over you, and it's been completely forgiven and abolished if you're in Christ Jesus. You are not the judge. So you may say, well, I hope she's burning in hell. Well, I hope this has happened to him. He'll get his. She'll get hers. It's as anti-Jesus as some of the atheist comments that you see that you just delete or unfriend or, or block on social media. You guys with me today? We having fun? Yeah, blast. Wonderful. All right. Now, so this is the typical Christian response. I know I should love my enemies. I know it says I, I shouldn't try to get even. I know it says I'm not supposed to have these feelings. But maybe Jesus is just asking too much. As the disciples are sitting there, there's no question. There's no doubt in my mind that they are struggling with this exact kind of tension that we are today. Something else we need to recognize, and this is so important, and I want some of you to hear this. This probably doesn't apply to all of you, but it at least applies to a few of you, including those of you that are listening later. Stop believing the lie that hatred or getting even is going to bring any form of peace or joy in your life. Stop believing that the bitterness or the hatred that you have toward a group of people, toward an individual, toward other people that you work with, whatever that looks like is going to bring any form of peace or joy in your life. Because hear this, you may, you may not recognize it, but other people do. It's destroying you. 
It is absolutely destroying you, and it's destroying any form of good witness that you could possibly have. A fact that I hate to even talk about is that some of you fully intend to carry hatred to your grave because you believe your former boss, um, former best friend, ex-wife, abusive parent, they deserve it. So you're going to carry it to your grave. And here's what Jesus says. You are not the judge. And this kind of thinking falls outside of the bounds of kingdom ethics. So again, I believe that the disciples are wrestling with this. I believe that the disciples have difficult relationships that they are going through the exact same way that you guys have difficult relationships that you're going through. And some of these relationships aren't even difficult relationships for you anymore because you've so excommunicated yourself from these people or from this person that they're no longer in your life. And I will guarantee you that if you're still carrying these emotions, you're the only one that's suffering from it. They're not struggling with it. They're not thinking, well, I wonder if Tyler still hates my guts. I wonder if Tyler still thinks about that on a regular basis. I wonder what Justin would say if he saw me. They're done. They've moved on. And you suffer every time you hear a name. Or you suffer every time you go to a place. Or you suffer every time you see a reminder. Because these things have not been properly dealt with. A few falsehoods that we often believe about anger and retaliation, about peacemaking and retaliation. This is the first one. Um, if I can stay angry, we believe this. If I can stay angry, I'm still punishing the person. All right? Meaning that if I let up, if I show that I'm forgiven, and God forbid I make a phone call or reach out to this person and let things go, they've won. I have showed them that this kind of behavior is okay. So that's a common belief that we have. If we can stay angry, it shows that I'm still punishing the person. Now, here's the other one, and this is even more scary to me. Some people believe that their anger is their healing. They really believe that. They believe that their anger is their healing. As long as they can stay angry, as long as they can continue to talk bad about the person, as long as they can still hold on to that rigid view uh, that maybe happened uh, 18 months ago or, or five years ago or 30 years ago. 30 years, that's a lot of bitterness. That changes a person. That takes a person that could have had this dynamic and this amazing thing going on, and it changes them in a major, major way. You know what it also changes a person? When you see the relief when they let go. I mean, it's like, it's like all of a sudden they are light as a feather. It's an incredible thing. But we often believe that our peace um, is going to be our healing, and anger has never healed anyone. You may feel that retalia uh, re retaliation settles the score, but it never settles the score in your heart. Listen to what Paul says, and to me, this is one of the most convincing, uh, convicting scriptures there is, and it's one of my favorite. I have to, I have to um, uh, go back to it often, uh, just to be, uh, a fruit of the Spirit is not being a jerk, uh, but, but I do very well at it. 
All right, so it's not a fruit of the Spirit, though, just for some of you that are natured a little bit like me. So this is something that I have to go back to often. This is Romans 12, 17 through 21. You might want to mark this so that you can go back and look at it later on your Connect card or something that you have, because it's probably something that you're going to want to go back on, because Paul knows this is a normal struggle. And this right here, this teaching is theologically so important that I can't even hardly, right now, if it was another day, I'd talk about another passage, but, but I can't hardly think of anything as far as ethics that is more important. This is what he says. Don't pay back anyone for their evil actions with evil actions. An eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. Don't pay someone back with what they gave you in an attempt to get even. It's ungodly. It's one of the most ungodly things that you can ever do. But show respect for everyone else believing it is good. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. Don't try to get revenge for yourselves, my dear friends but leave room for God's wrath, meaning God is the ultimate authority as it comes to punishment. It is written, Deuteronomy 32, revenge belongs to me or God. I will pay it back, says the Lord. Instead, here's the alternative. This is the gospel. This is the Jesus way. This is the alternative. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink. By doing this, you will pile burning coals of fire upon his head. Listen, don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. Some of you are being defeated by evil. And it's manifested in your life. And it's manifested in your walk with Christ. Now, when I talk about evil, I'm not talking about sorcery. I'm not talking about Hitler. I'm not talking about genocide. I'm not talking about, you know, things that are going on that are horrible in third world countries. I'm talking about a root that is within you. And for some of you, fortunately right now, it's a tiny root that can be pulled out. But for others of you, it's grown and it's grown and it's grown over time but I do want to make you this promise and I'll make you this promise as we're getting close uh, to closing today. When you surrender this to Jesus and when you make the decision to turn it over, I mean fully and completely turn it over. It doesn't mean you're forgiving everything right in that moment because I have personally found that very, very hard to do. But it means, as we said uh, two weeks ago, that you are ready to start the process. I'm gonna tell you a place that I'll promise that you'll find joy. Whenever you take that person that you're having a difficult time with, it could be a person that's present in your life right now. Whenever you have that person from your past that you're really struggling with, and what goes through your mind is this, this is a Jesus thought. How in the midst of my anger, my frustration, uh, my past and, and, and all that collection of craziness that, 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 that's there. How can I serve this person? I'm telling you that it creates a dynamic within you. Jesus on the cross. 
mocked, beaten, tortured. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Enemy love. I want to make this as clear as possible. You can go to your grave with anger and a desire to punish and you will accomplish nothing. It's not going to make you better. It's not going to make you stronger. You can go to the grave with peace in every relationship and have everything. Earlier I said to be careful about taking these passages literal. But here's the thing. When the posture of your heart changes because of the grace of God that only comes through the power of the cross and in no other way, when you see that person, you'll be willing to help. When that person offends you or hurts you, you're not always going to be able to do it right in the moment. But you can at least take a step back. Okay, God, I'm really ticked off. How do I walk through this? Please walk me through this. And this is actually the transformation process that when Paul talks about being a new creature, the old is, the old is dead and the new is here. I can't wait for worship night. I, I'm so excited about worshiping and talking about the cross tonight. It's the posture of the heart that has to change. I don't need to tell you who to forgive. I believe God is already dealing with some of you. If it's, if it's um, anger and, and the desire to retaliate, the desire to hold on to enemy love. Uh, the question is this. Do I choose to remain in this condition? Likely permanently. Or do I choose the peace of the Spirit? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we come to you this morning and we are uh, grateful for your love. I, God, I, as, as Wes and I were talking uh, just yesterday on our drive to men's study, I have to, I have to preach this stuff to myself before I ever get the opportunity to say it up here. If I have given the impression that this is easy or that this doesn't come with a cost, if this doesn't bring a ton of humility, then forgive me for that. Because this is one of the most incredibly difficult things that we gloss over and we don't really talk about. I pray, Father, for a breakthrough. For one person that's in here today, or four people that are in here today, for, for, for 25 people that are in here today, that they are willing to say, maybe some of my um, anger, maybe some of my anxiety, maybe some of my, uh, my, my struggles, maybe they come from the posture in my heart. And I really need to begin this process. We lift you up and we praise you for what you're going to do and continue to do in the life of Believer's Church. Amen. 
We want to thank you again for listening to the Believer's Church podcast. Make sure you join us next week as we continue in this series. Also, we'd love a chance to connect with you. Make sure you visit BelieversChurchJC.com and enjoy the rest of your week.